On today's episode of Hungry for Wisdom, you'll meet a husband and wife that actually believe Jesus. Weird, right? Food isn't the gospel, but it's shockingly close. And is there a difference between compassion and cheeseburgers for free? I didn't think so. It's episode 15. Turn it up! Welcome to Hungry for Wisdom. This is the podcast for people who want to know what God knows. He hasn't told us everything, but man, he has told us a lot. I'm Dustin, pastor at Grace and Truth. If you want to know what God knows, let's dig in. And today's episode is dedicated to Grace Kitchen. I actually am graced with the presence of Devin and Amanda Lorraine, who, I, look, I don't even know your guys' titles. What are you, the directors, the, the presidents of operations? I mean, what? Co-founders, I'm the go. executive director, Devin is the pastor on site, and our culinary director. Awesome. Well, we're going to get into all of that good stuff. Devin, how you doing, buddy? I'm well. How are you? Doing great, Amanda. Great to see you. I'm happy you're here. I'm going to read Proverbs 24, 11, and 12, which is one that we've read uh, on the show before um, when we're talking with um, with folks that deal with like rescue ministries and things like that. This is These are very serious words from the book of Proverbs. Deliver those who are being taken away to death, and those who are stumbling to the slaughter, oh, hold them back. If you say, behold, we did not know this, does not he who weighs the heart understand? And does not he who guards your soul know? And will he not render to man according to his work? All right, guys. So there's a lot going on in the world, and some of it is uh, dark and shady and desperate, and we've been called to go in there. And if we don't, Solomon just took away our excuses. So uh, we got to get to work. I want to hear about you guys personally. I want to hear about you guys uh, collectively and Grace Kitchen and all of that stuff. So we're going to get into it. Um, now, Devin, you and I have known each other quite a while. It's been like, gosh, we were counted up the other day, what, 11 or 12 years? At least 12 years. Yeah. yeah. Okay. It's been a while. Yeah. So you were uh, in the, the church planting world back when I met you. Yes. I want to hear what happened there. Okay. And then, Amanda, you are uh, the, the probably, I'm, I'm assuming, no offense, Devin, the brains of the operation, and uh, it's usually the way this goes, right? Like, De- I think Devin and I are similar in this in the fact that if we didn't have good wives, we'd be like off the rails somewhere. So Absolutely. Yeah. You nailed that one. Yeah. So, okay, you guys been married how long? We 20 years. Like straight up 20. We just celebrated our 20th anniversary. Congratulations. Yes, yes, it was yes awesome. we had a great time in Cannon Beach. It was wonderful. That's great. Let marriage be held in high regard. We love it. Congratulations, Amen. guys. Amen. Thank you. Yeah, you got a whole slew of kids and whatnot, and that's that's going good. You got a home life. You got a ministry there. That's yes. beautiful. Yes. Okay, so something happened where you guys were in the church planting world, doing that whole thing, following that calling, and then now you're running Grace Kitchen. Before we get to yes. what Grace Kitchen is, why don't you tell some of the story that led up to this? Yeah. Can I, should I start out? Yeah. So, um, so originally, uh, we, we had been in Bible camp ministry. We were doing Bible camp ministry up north of Spokane. And while we were doing that, we just, uh, we encountered, uh, the brokenness in the near city, the closest little city to where the Bible camp was, which was the town of Cusick. And there was a lot of poverty and there was a lot of, uh, just the things that poverty breeds, like um, domestic violence and drug abuse and alcoholism. And God just really broke our heart for that community of people that are largely can be just invisible uh, or maybe untouchable in some ways, like um, in, our, in, our, in our sterile maybe church environment where maybe we don't want to engage something like that. But we found ourselves incredibly compelled to reach out to that kind of a community. And so that has been our heart all, all along from the beginning. Uh, both my wife and I, um, have really broken backgrounds. We come from, uh, drug abuse and, uh, 
I mean, you name it, just really broken past both of us. And so God kind of brought, when God brought us together, he brought two and just really broken people together. And then he rescued us both at the same time and then just commissioned us to say, Hey, uh, you know, I'm rescuing you out of the fire. Now you, you can go back in and pull more people out. Like you're on my team. And so that's really, that's really where that led us into church planting. And then as we were both, um, uh, working as um, uh, chaplains at UGM, uh, Amanda with the Women's and Children's Shelter, and mine at the, with the men on Sunday evenings, preaching and teaching and caring. Uh, we just saw a need, a great that, need. This one here in yeah, town? Yeah, right here in town. All right, Absolutely. Union Gospel Mission in Pasco. Shout out, what's up? Yes, Absolutely. we love the Union Gospel Mission in Pasco. So I was serving there as a women's chaplain, teaching God's word to the women, and over and over my heart was absolutely burdened for them because they were getting this care and this love and this discipleship while they lived at the shelter. But then once they left the the shelter, what happened? Who's going to disciple these women? And I, what I, what I noticed about this population of women over the course of time working there is that they were incredibly lonely. They had never experienced a healthy friendship, someone to speak into their life, to do coffee with, even something like we're doing right now. They don't have those experiences, and they love to be discipled. They wanted, they were hungry for God's word. Anytime I would come down and teach the word of God, they had so many questions. They didn't want me to leave, and I would pray with them. And third is jobs. These women have so much complex trauma. They have felonies. They have been trafficked. They have been abused. It is very, very hard for them to perform in necessary ways that our society expects for them from them. Mm -hmm. So they end up falling back into these cycles of destructive patterns or just relying on government dependency. So they need somebody to give them a second chance to give them a job so they can rise out of poverty and stand on their own two feet and come away from these patterns of just relying on government dependency or falling back into those destructive patterns. Well, and I know we're, we're probably skipping ahead here, but like to, to give somebody a job, when you, when you receive that, that involves a whole a whole slew of um, I, compliments is the wrong way to put it, but I mean that that says that somebody trusts you, somebody values you in some way. You can you can meet a need for somebody, absolutely, right? And then the self sufficiency and standing on your own two feet. I mean, we're we're made for that. If, if you get a job, you're probably working with other people that meets some needs for community and things like yes. that. So th- there's a lot of different nerves that get poked when when somebody just gets a job yes. Right? Yes. yeah what a what a huge need that is often you know overlooked in this whole this this whole issue of like compassion how do you reach people in compassion ministries or whatever i think that's a really cool thing to kind of plant your flag on too and so you guys are doing that in a in a great way but i will stop digressing let's get back to it okay um so where do you what do you want to hear next all right let's do this um let's let's skip ahead actually to how how the idea for Grace Kitchen came about and then what, like, what exactly is it? What do you guys do and how did you, how did that light bulb sort of go off in your heads? So first of all, Devin has been pastoring for many, many years, but he also has a passion for culinary arts. So he graduated culinary school from the U.S. Navy and he's always cooked for everybody he loves. And that's one of his love languages is to cook. And we've always wanted to merge these two things and come alongside the marginalized population. So in 2017, I attended my first IF gathering, and I heard this woman speak. Her name is Jill Briscoe, and she said a quote, you go where you're sent, you give what you've got until you're done. 
And I loved her and I decided she was 87 years old and she was um, speaking from England. If she ever came to the Pacific Northwest, I would figure out how to get to see her. So the next year I was scrolling through social media and I saw that Jill Briscoe was coming to Spokane. And so I commented on this nonprofit's um, Facebook page and said, I'd really love to come to this event. They messaged me back and they said, you've won tickets, but you have to come tonight. So the sovereign hand of God was leading me that night to this organization called Christ Kitchen in Spokane, Washington. And so I heard Jill speak, and that was great. But when the founder got up to share her story about what she had been doing, providing job training, discipleship, and employment to marginalized women in the Spokane area for the last 30 years, I just felt the Spirit of God so heavy on my heart. And I whispered to my friend, and I said, this is what I've been called to do my whole life. That's it. (laughs) So I came back and I told Devin, we ordered the Christ Kitchen book. We read that, which was essentially a business plan. And he he just supports me so much in everything I do and all my crazy ideas. I'm a really big visionary. I live in vision world. And so he jumped on board as a as one of our directors and we just began to pray that God would position us in a building in close proximity to the women's shelter and on a bus line. We needed a commercial kitchen to start. On a bus. That's pretty specific. That's yes. right. That's what we... And the fulfillment was even more specific because you guys wound up getting a very particular building. Tell us yes. about that. Yeah. The, so this was just um, one of many miracles that God has shown us and has done. And it's a beautiful picture. And we always love to just take a step back and just say, okay, here's a little window into the heart of God, right? He absolutely loves these women that we're ministering to. Like he loves them and he's shown us that he absolutely loves them and cares for them because he has opened up these doors. Like I've never experienced before in my life. It's been amazing. So Amanda just looked at me one day and she said, you know, I'm going to call Union Gospel Mission. I'm going to ask him to give me this building. And I said, well, that's that's great, honey. Why don't you yeah. go ahead and do that? Right. And so she calls them and... You're getting the Kleenexes ready for after the rejection and oh all Oh my that. gosh. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm like, oh, you know, you know, nothing gained, nothing lost. Let's just go for it and see what happens. And so she, she calls them and they call us for a meeting and Andrew Porter has us come down and they met with us and I made them lunch and uh, we kind of just cast vision to them and said, hey, this is who we are. This is what we're about. This is what we'd like to do. And they called us the very next day and said, hey, we can't, we can't actually give you the building, but we will sell it to you for $10. And so we purchased the old Union Gospel Mission building for 10 for bucks. 10 bucks. Yes. yes. And we are 20 feet from the Women and Children's Shelter and right on a bus line, right where my heart is so burdened for. It's it's so amazing. We have a huge commercial kitchen and an 8,200 square foot job training facility. Yeah. You know, when we're, um, we're, helping people out or some of our people at church are going and helping people and, and just doing things that the world doesn't do, right? But but following the basic commands of, of Christ. And sometimes people will will ask, like, why like why are you why? You know? What what's what's the driving force behind you guys giving you're not gaining anything by this. Why are you giving all this away or helping or whatever? And something that um we've kind of trained our people to say is whatever their version of it is, is like, look, I find that by the time God sends somebody through our pathway, he wants something done. And so I'm assuming he wants something done here, yeah. you know, and when you, I, I love the way you put that, Devin, where you, you can look at the actions of what God has done and see the heart of God yeah. and then see where he's going. It's like, Hey, raise up a stone for this. You know, Amen. that's great stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So there's, I'm going to sermonize for just a second here to set this question up. And, and the question I'm going to ask you is what is the problem in the world that you're, you're engaged in solving? Right. But like, 
the so God created everything and it was it was good man it was right and it was it was it was like he stepped back and he said it's good and then he created man and woman and marriage and he was like this is now very good and like God is excited about what he's done right then Adam and Eve don't listen they decide to try and be God and flips everything upside down and now just as good as everything was we see parts of creation and a lot of parts of creation that are equally as bad it's like on that side of the scale it is just as heavy as it seems to be on the good side of the scale oftentimes yes. and so the the brokenness is beyond um, description in the same way that the goodness of God in his creation is beyond description right like the the whole spectrum is full of God's gifts and the devastation of the perversion of those gifts yeah. and so some of the darkest stuff in the world is things involving trafficking whether it's human trafficking for labor or sex slavery or whatever and then addiction and broken homes and abusive spouses and parents and all of that so we, we can stare into this abyss of evil yeah it's hard to know where to start yeah. Right. If we're like, okay, yeah, Jesus wants us to go engage that. What do you do? So what's, how do you guys do this? What, what specifically are you engaging? What's your scope? And then how, how are you going about it? Yeah, I think that was really good, Dustin, what you just said. Um, I think it does have to start with actually staring into that abyss that you're talking about and, and, and then realizing like, yeah, this is huge. This is a huge problem. It's a, it's a massive pandemic. Um, all of these things. Um, but then knowing like, I need to do something. I need to do something. I need to engage this in some way. I need to get involved. Um, when we see Jesus's ministry and the way that he engaged the brokenness of the world, we know that he's promised us that one day everything is going to be right. Everything's going to be perfect. He's going to recreate all of this and there'll be no more sin. And we love those promises. But as of right now, uh, the father has seen fit. It's going to stay like this until Jesus comes back. We're going to deal with sin and brokenness. But when we see the miracles of Jesus specifically, we see that he comes in and uh, we know that in, in the kingdom of God in heaven, there is no, there is no leprosy. So he's healing leprosy. There is no blindness. So he's healing blindness, right there. You know, there's no paralyzed people. So he's, so we see the kingdom like breaking in through Jesus as he engages the brokenness of the world. And so we see the brokenness of the world and we realize Jesus is calling us to come in and bring the kingdom of God and engage this brokenness with the true light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we see there's transforming power to really change this stuff. And so Amanda and I have experienced the power, transformation power of the gospel in our own lives very powerfully. And we know that the power is there uh, to change other lives. And there is nobody you know, what comes to mind is the demon-possessed man uh, who's probably the most broken person in the whole Bible. And I love that Jesus goes and he pursues this guy and he's so busted up and so broken, but it helps us to realize, like, here is the most most broken person in the whole Bible and Jesus heals this man completely. And so we know that there's power, the power of Jesus, that there is nobody that is so broken that God cannot totally and completely repair that person. And so that just that that kind of empowers us to realize it's not really on us to to be able to do everything or our power in some way, but the power is in Christ and in the gospel. And so that's really the kind of some of our philosophy of why we do what we do or how we would engage this and everything that you talked about as far as the brokenness that we are actively engaging is human trafficking, is addiction, is homelessness, is poverty. Um all of these things that are are a pandemic, but um, but as long as we remain like in our little sterile environments, we may never engage these kinds of things. And so it's a stepping out 
being willing to get some dirt under your nails and mix it up with people who desperately need Jesus. And that's a huge deal for people. I think um, I'm sure that somebody, you know, listening needs to hear that. And I'm, you know, this isn't like some kind of prophetic word. I'm just playing the odds here. You know, like there, there are a lot of people that feel like they need to keep their stuff secret and can't bring it to the Jesus people because Jesus people got it put together. Right. Right. And so a lot of people don't want to walk into church. I mean, how often do we see this? It's like, Hey man, are you, are you plugged into a body of Christ anywhere? Are you letting Jesus serve you through his, through his people? And, and they're like, no man, if I walk into a church, man, the, the, the ceiling's going to cave in. It's like, how oh. many times have you heard that? Right. Oh, man. And so like, here's the deal guys, everything that, that like go read Mark nine. All right. Go read the, about this guy, the demonia. He was demon possessed. He was living in a cave because they had kicked him out of society because everybody was scared of him. And Jesus runs straight to this dude and does the most miraculous and frankly funny. Like it, it was kind of funny how he ex- expressed dominance over those demons. You know, oh, one word I when they're it. begging for mercy and he's just like, you know, get out of here. Like, you know, and, and it's done. And it's yeah. done, and Jesus goes straight for it. So that shows you the heart of God. If you haven't seen, if you haven't seen that or experienced that in a church, in a group of Jesus people, then either I, I want you to go back and be looking for it this time because you might have missed it, or maybe Jesus followers weren't acting like Jesus, which is something that we do sometimes. And I'm sorry about that, but don't count that against him because that's what Jesus is actually like. Amen. Okay, so you're you you guys are dealing with you mentioned trafficking and things like that. So. There's, it's not like there's a storefront where it's like, hey, trafficked girls here. Now, there is, you know, over in Cambodia or Thailand, but not Tri-Cities, right? So what what is the, um, what's the intersection between you guys and the people that need help? How do you find them? How do you interact with them? That's a great question. So we collaborate with a lot of nonprofits in the Tri-Cities. We are, we are in the 211 resource book, and um, Department of Correction knows about Grace Kitchen. So women are actually calling us right from prison nice. and they're asking to come into our program. And the day they're getting out of prison, they're coming in with ankle bracelets on. Love it. And the first day they get there, they get to hear the gospel because we exegetically teach through God's word every morning. So they hear about us that way through their probation officers, through UGM, through Mirror Ministries, U Medical, all of the wonderful nonprofits that work together in the Tri-Cities. That's how they know us. And it Additionally, they they just walk in our doors because that is the area where we see a lot of brokenness and a lot of poverty. So there's women, there's women sleeping in the parks, and our doors are open, and it's a beautiful place. And they walk in every so day. They walk in and then run me through the process from there. What happens? Yeah. So, uh, for instance, like sometimes uh, a while back, there was a girl who was just sleeping in the alley, and I just brought her some water and said, "Hey." would you like to come in and check out the program? And at first she was like, no, no, no. But then eventually she came in and now she's experienced Jesus and now she's being transformed by God's grace. And so sometimes maybe we just engage somebody out on the sidewalk. Sometimes it's by word of mouth where it's just these women who've experienced grace. They've experienced the truth of God's word. They've experienced community and love and um, fellowship and all of these things. And they're great advocates. So they're going to be out in their mouthpieces to the community at large. And in particular, their community to say, hey, this is like a real thing. This is like legit. You should come and check it out. These people are going to love you. They're going to help you get your life back on track if that's what you're interested in. So that's, that is one way. So Thursdays, you want to talk about Thursdays a little bit? Yeah, Thursday is our community outreach day. So this is a beautiful day where we bridge the gap between women from the church and women who are living on the streets or are different than the women that attend church every Sunday. At least we think we're different, but really when we get in the same room, we're not very different. But Thursday starts off with a Bible study and we have about 25 to 30 women that will show up to check out our program and they sit down and we're 
teaching through God's word. Right now we're going through Matthew. And then we go into a day of packaging our pasta and our sauce rubs. And we do this as a form of discipleship because we have trained mentors that come alongside these new women and just sit down with them and they package pasta together. And as they're packaging pasta together, there's so much healing healing that's happening in the context of that community. And discipleship is happening as they're just working and they're having that job training. It's so beautiful. And we're bridging the gap between women from the church and women from the streets. And it's a safe place to do that. Anybody can come and package some pasta and Mm -hmm. talk about Jesus. And then at the end of our production day on Thursday, we provide a beautiful lunch for them. And it's not us, actually. It's the local church. Since Grace Kitchen opened its doors in December 3rd of 2020, we have had a lunch provided by the local church every single Thursday. So a group of ladies will come in with crock pot of pulled pork or tacos, and they serve about 25 to 30 women a meal. And then they sit down and they, we get to eat with these women and share stories together. And it's a beautiful time of breaking bread. So if somebody who is listening or somebody at Grace and Truth or whatever, if they wanted to jump in, these ladies, if, if they are women and they want to jump in and help out, Thursdays would be a great time because they could come and serve and sit down and eat and listen to the Bible study and things like that. Yep. Just gather your small group and make some food and come down to Grace Kitchen and serve the ladies a wonderful lunch. And they are so, so grateful. It's often the best meal they get of the entire week. And they're really, really excited for lunch by the end of the day. That's a great idea. Thanks for telling us about that. I'm going to get mystical here for a second, but there, there is an, there's a theology of food, which I don't have fully nailed down, mm, right? On. And so eating together is one thing. I mean, like, like God gave us, you know, all of these means to engage with each other. And one of the primary ones is a meal that we're supposed to take regularly, right? Yeah. But there's, you know, family units having, um, you know, having the, the dinner table is one of the primary strengthening functions. You lose that and everything else just kind of dissipates over time. There's something about being around food. And then I think even more, and I mean, this isn't very well thought through on my, because there's a lot of mystery here to me, but I think even more for women, especially preparing food might tap into that maternal instinct or something. Right. And so you're, you, there's not only are you giving them meaningful vocation, but it really is meaningful because everybody needs food and now they're helping somebody else while they're doing some work and then getting poured into, I mean, this is, that really winds up kind of being a, a very simple 360 degree Um, uh, experience for them. They got to take, they got to give. Like, that's great. Yes, and it's a wonderful tool of discipleship. And as those products go down the line, you can see these women's faces light up the first time they learn to put those noodles in the bag and the stickers place and the gold ties place. And they look at that product and they've never... Maybe they've never created anything beautiful in their lives. Wow. And now this is going out to the stores and they were part of that. So it's building their value and dignity and their confidence. Wow. And they have a skill now. Yes. They yeah. have a skill. That is one of the marketable skills we teach them. We teach them many marketable skills. Yeah. yeah. All right. So then you, you give them the word of God. You teach through stuff right now. You're teaching through Matthew. What does the, um, what does the evangelism process? I mean, is is there a process? Is it just person by person, the way that you approach evangelizing somebody who has been trafficked? And then, you know, when, when they come to Christ, what, um, how do you disciple them or aid in their discipleship from there? We are doing discipleship with these women every single day. The women who work with us, we start with a paid Bible study. Part of their workday is being in God's word. 
8.30 a.m. We're digging into the God's word every single day. So they're on the clock. Yes. Getting, getting paid by what the hour or whatever. Yep. And part of that is Bible study. Yes. yes. Love it. Because these women are not breaking down the walls of the church to hear sermons. Yeah. So we've chosen to make that as part of our work day because yeah. we find that the most valuable thing that's going to bring freedom to their lives. I could be super legalistic and pharisaical right now and be like, no, you have to, you know, you, you, you can't be bribing people to hear the word of God, either it's in their heart or they're not realizing that I actually study the Bible full time so. <laughs> and get paid to do so. Yes. Yeah. No, that's such a cool deal though, because I mean, like a lot of times it's like, no, I'm not, I mean, you would think I'm just imagining the reactions you would get. I'm not paying somebody to study the Bible. They ought to be doing this for the love of Christ or whatever. But uh, yeah, it is the, you, well, you they, operate in a much more real world. <laughs> They've never studied the Bible. Yeah. There's women that walk in our doors. They've never heard the story of Jonah or Noah's Ark or even the Christmas story or the Easter story. So you see their faces just light up as Devin and I are sharing these stories with them. And we're so, we're in the church all the time and we think everybody knows the gospel story, but they don't. Yeah. There's so many people that have never had the opportunity to open the word of God. In the Tri Cities. So let me ask you about the gospel here, and and just for all of our listeners, let me clarify the um in case this is the first time you're hearing all this terminology and stuff. When we talk about the gospel, there's a very simple uh, message. It's actually the theme of the the Bible itself. The overarching theme of the Bible is real simple, and it goes like this: that we're separated from God by sin, but we're reunited to God through Jesus, through who He is and what He does. And in what he has done for us, it's already accomplished, and he's done everything necessary for us to be reunited to God. So we're separated from God by sin. We're reunited to God through the person and work of Jesus. And sin is essentially, it's like I define it as anything that we do that God doesn't, right? Like we're made to look like God. We're made in the image of God is what the Bible says. But we do all of this anti-God, anti-Christ stuff, and so that has us run in the opposite direction. There's that separation. So the gospel is that God didn't leave us in our separation. He actually pursued us and, and brought us back into a family relationship with him. So the, there's that. That's a, it's a simple gospel. My kids can understand that, right? Yeah. But then, as the old saying goes, it's shallow enough for a child to play, but it's deep enough for an elephant to drown. So there's a lot of different elements of it. And, and depending yeah. on what community you're you're engaging with the gospel or what, what worldview you're engaging with the gospel different aspects of the gospel are going to resonate huge right so i mean sometimes it's like hey substitution somebody did this for me yes. sometimes that's the that's the the, the horn you want to blow yes. sometimes it's like um you know justification like i can be seen as clean mm -hmm. you know so what elements of the gospel really yes. resonate most often in the work that you do so both of those substitutionary okay. atonement is huge um in particular the uh imputed righteousness of christ to understand that he actually lived he didn't just die as a substitute for you but he lived as a substitute in your place as well and then through faith and believing in his actual sacrifice his righteousness is then imputed to you and so for them to to begin to understand those elements of the gospel that that they've never heard. And, and you may even ask, even people who've been in the church quite a while, ask them, hey, what is the gospel? And they know it's really important, yeah. but they may not be able to really articulate it very well. Dude, one um, of the most depressing things that happens to me in ministry, and I'm dropping dime on some of our listeners. Sorry, y'all. Uh, <laughs> every membership class we have, we, we give people a blank piece of paper and we say, what's the gospel? And, and sometimes we'll say, because they'll say, oh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I'm like, okay, we got to get more specific. I get that. Um, you know, what, what do you have to believe to be a Christian, right? Yeah. And so it, it is crazy and it's not that these people aren't saved it's just that nobody's ever asked them to articulate it before so it doesn't surprise me that you wouldn't be able to get a clear answer out of somebody who's never even opened a bible before at all yes they yes. love to hear statements like referring to like court because that's what they know when yeah. they hear oh, yes. paid in full 
or it is finished to telesci and we're referring to this judge that you were guilty and now you are you are declared not guilty because of the work of Jesus on the cross it just resonates with them because they have been in jail a lot. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and, yeah, and they've probably been caught up with things like problems that they didn't cause, and they've been victimized by various things. Yes, and then, absolutely. Yeah. In particular, when 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 we explain that imputed righteousness, even as a result of, of what Jesus has done, for them to understand the gavel falls, knowing fully that you are guilty. Yeah. When the gavel falls, he says innocent as a result of somebody else taking your place. And 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 then and not only that, but then the the reality of adoption, like that he's the, the judge comes over and takes your cuffs off and says, Hey, you're coming home with me, you're gonna be my kid now. Right. So it's even so much more. So so substitutionary atonement is huge uh far as teaching for people to understand. And then adoption with identity, being a dearly loved child of God as a result of the work of Jesus is absolutely fundamental in the work that we're doing with the gospel and these people. How do you get at that? Because I find that it's very difficult to explain the fatherly aspects of God the Father to people with daddy issues. Yes. Right? So what how do you how do you surmount that? I mean, you say God's a father and they're like, "Well, crap, he hates me and he's going to zap me any second." Yes. And so I, coming from a, from a person who has some dad issues, I didn't come from a house with a very loving father myself. And so there, there, there were some hurdles for me to jump over as well as I came into the gospel and I'm going, okay, so the reality of having a perfect father versus our, our, our earthly father, um, can be some, some hurdles, you know, for them to, to come through for sure. And in particular for some of them, uh, have been involved in like family trafficking and things like this, where it's very, very, very difficult. And so in those kinds of issues, I mean, you just, you have to take, some of this stuff is not going to be learned just simply over a simple conversation. There's years of trauma and years of brokenness, and it is a complex puzzle, honestly. And so um, it's just going to be a reinforcing, I think, over and over and over the truth of the gospel and the reality of God's word and what he says, who the father is. Um, when we think about uh, um, the scriptures, some of the scriptures that I run to um, and that we run to when we're teaching the women, and for me, like Matthew eleven twenty nine comes up regularly as someplace I go to, just realizing like, of, uh, and even uh, Dane Ortland in his book, Gentle and Lowly, he talks about the heart of God. And, he, and, and when he goes to describe his own heart, he could have described himself any way holy and powerful and beautiful and grand and majesty and all these things that would have been true. But he says, no, I, I'm gentle and lowly. And for them to understand that this is the very heart of God, that that he is not this harsh taskmaster, but he is gentle and lowly in heart. And he says, yoke myself, you know, yoke yourself to me, right? And I'll give you rest. Like this is the, the heart of God. I think part of it is um, not getting the cart before the horse and getting mixed up in like behavior modification and just trying to get them to change their behaviors. Mm-hmm. It's really coming towards their heart through the gospel and seeing God reorient their heart and begin to change their desires and change their passions from their old desires and passions and then giving them really beautiful new desires and passions for the things of God. And we see it happening because we see these women begin to advocate and become less and less selfish Hmm. and they're giving and giving more of themselves away and we see this happening every day and it's so incredibly beautiful yeah and they've had that modeled from our amazing mentors that have been there from day one it's just by the grace of god we have the most incredible 
gospel-centered mentors that have come alongside these women and just shown the love of Christ to them in such a way where they're experiencing God's love. And now they're wanting to do that for others. They're at the smoking bench across the street you know, talking to these women about Jesus, praying for them and inviting them to Grace Kitchen to come and hear about the Bible. So uh, just a, a personal testimony here in, in regards to the, the effect that that's having. So I went down to tour Grace Kitchen, right? And I show up and uh, so Devin, you had asked me before, hey, what do you want to eat? Uh, you know, which now I know is your love language. So I received that as brotherly love. Thanks for cooking <laughs> for me, man. That was a delicious burger. I said, yo, throw a cheeseburger at me. You were like, all right. So we sit down and we eat this cheeseburger. You're telling me the story and things like that. And then you had your, uh, your computer, you had a laptop there and I had my bag and whatever. And, um, uh, so we we're talking and you were like, yeah, let me show you the, the place. So we get up and you left your computer there. And I think you might've left your phone there too. And I was like, I was just grabbing my bag. Cause I was in a place that isn't home for me. Right. Sure. So I just grab it and I'm like, I guess I'll just leave it here. And I realized, man, these gals, they're running around, they're sweeping, they're cooking, they're doing whatever they got to do. They're doing the, the catering stuff, which I do want to ask you guys about, doing the catering stuff and whatever. And they were so nice and looking me in the eye and just saying, hey, you know, let, let me get that for you and things. It wasn't like a servile type of like word, word down. It wasn't Cinderella, you know, no. in front of her sisters, right? Right. Like they had full status there and they knew it and they were happy to serve. And there was a trusting environment where yes. you left your computer out in front of people who had backgrounds with all kinds of stuff, including theft and whatever. Many, many felonies. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I was just like, man, that's something's going on here. Yes. Like that, that was cool to see. And it's not yeah. really the kind of thing you can articulate, but it's caught, you know? Well, you know, so one of the things that's been God's just grace upon grace to us is that God has continually brought like safe people to come alongside and be mentors. So these are people who deeply understand the gospel, which tends to make you very humble um, and um, and safe, safe to be around other people in their brokenness and realizing like Amanda and I realize like we're incredibly broken people and in desperate need of God's grace every single day. And that makes us able to mix it up with people who are also very broken and be safe in a safe environment. So, so we've created this, I would say we haven't, but Jesus, by his grace, has created this very sanctuary-like safe environment for very broken people to come and experience God's love and redemption. And um, so there is this philosophy that we've kind of borrowed from some other, uh, other from a other nonprofit down in LA, but that is that there is no us in them, it's just us. Just us. Right? And so we are a family, and they experience community and family as family. And so, um, I mean... We are brothers and sisters down there. And yeah. so I think that that really, there is a sense of like trust. We trust these women and they know that we trust them. And that has created a beautiful environment. And that's precious to them. They want to handle that well, I'm sure. Oh, I mean, absolutely. Those, those relationships are important. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yes. Wow. Going back a little bit to my story, I absolutely have the deepest empathy to these women because I was on the streets at 15. I was having to do things that these women did. I was addicted to drugs. I was homeless. And Jesus absolutely rescued me. And by the grace of God, he gave me an amazing husband. And I have been, I've experienced the freedom from my sin and the forgiveness of Jesus. And I just knew, man, I wanted to go back. I wanted to see women that were still broken, still lost, still hurting, still on the streets, experience the love of Christ and their identity of who they are and walk out into that identity as a dearly loved child of God. Like I've had the opportunity to do by the grace and mercy of God. That's been my story. Yes, Isn't it amazing the 
to be able to to look back on your life and see not just redemption but also preparation on God's part, right? Yes. So like everything that you went through is now benefiting others, which is like who who is sufficient for these things, right? <laughs> I mean, because you know you you wouldn't wish this on anybody, and yet and and the questions often come up like, well, why would God allow this when He could stop it? Because He could. Yes. He's powerful, right? It was just like, okay, there was the understatement of the century, right? And, and he, can, he can do all his holy will. Why didn't he stop this? And those, those answers are not easy, and they're not short, or they don't fit on a bumper sticker. Correct. But when you look at these situations now, it's like, okay, God wanted to serve, you know, X number of women, I mean, and counting, right? And, and so it, he, he has used it all. And I think that's yes. just important for people to hear. Yeah, you know, your suffering is not wasted. Absolutely okay. wants to redeem all of those broken pieces of your life and be able to use it. I mean, we see it at the cross. I mean, this is the most horrendous act of injustice and sin you've ever seen. And he uses that very act to save the world. And so this is what he does. He's, he's in the business of taking all of your broken puzzle pieces and then making something beautiful out of it. And that's what we see happening in our lives that we see happening in the lives of the women that we're, we're working with. Yeah. And I think it's so cool that you guys got them uh, working and and doing work. That's not just busy work, but, but also contributing like we were saying and and things that is going to help and benefit others because there's this interesting kind of assumption that we make when we talk about forgiveness where it's like, okay, that gets us back to zero, right? It takes all of our negative, it takes all of the red ink out of the negative column and it wipes it away. But it's more than that, right? And not only does he forgive, not only, but he also redeems and says, okay, now all of this stuff is actually going to wind up being in the plus column and it's going to, it's going to benefit the world. It's going to glorify God and it's going to give meaning to you as well. Ephesians 2.10 is a great thing, right? He, he, you are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which he, yep, yep. We're all mouthing it together. Yeah, that, that's we, like that's like our theme. Well, Go, we actually yeah. have it on the side of our shirts, so we See speak it? this over the women Damn. every single day. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And all of us have these gifts and these callings and these dreams and these desires that God has placed in our hearts and. They've been stuffed down and they've been broken by sin and shattered by other people and their trauma. But to begin to see them flourish and start to walk in these gifts and then we're able to call them out. Like, I see that. In yeah. You, you yeah. need to pursue that. And because you've been studying the Bible with them, they got scriptural categories for this stuff now that you can say, hey, that's like what we saw earlier in, in the Bible. You're living that oh, right now. Oh, man, yeah. And it brings, it actually does, you know, when when God actually regenerates uh, a woman there at Grace Kitchen and their eyes are open to the reality, you know, it does begin to um, bring understanding. And obviously there's going to be some, some pieces where you're going to be like, okay, like you had mentioned, like, why did God allow this to happen or that to happen? But it also really brings a lot of clarity to the reality of sin in the world. So we have a robust definition of sin and what it is and um, how effective it is at breaking stuff in the world. And so we we have a big, robust understanding of sin and so that they understand that um, that everything is everything that's messed up in the world is a result of of sin and of the devil and what he's doing in the world and i think that helps bring clarity yeah and that's that's so important because we want to shy away from sin sometimes as christians because it sounds so condemning but it's like the, what you lose in the good news there if you're not robust about your definition of sin like right. i just had this conversation a couple of days ago with somebody I was, I was like look brand new believer right and so i'm discipling this guy just to know okay what just happened to you <laughs> nice. you know because he no, you know, he's like, I feel different. I don't I love Jesus and I don't want to do that stuff anymore. So 
we were talking about this, that sin is not chaos. Sin is surgical. Mm-hmm. And the way you just said that, sin is really good at at breaking things, right? Yes. And it really is, man. Sin will systematically dismantle a human and a family and a society and all of this stuff. And when you're at the bottom of that, it might, you know, or when you're seeing the bottom of that even, it might look like chaos, but really this is a knowable and repeatable process yes. where people are just, where their dignity and their personhood is stripped away. Yes. And then Jesus comes in and he's like, yeah, you're born again. That's an event. But the process of discipleship from there, ooh, you know what? You see this with, uh, with Peter, right? He denies Jesus three times. Jesus goes back to him three times. Hey, you, you you love me? He's like, yeah. Okay, cool. I mean, like, you love me? Yes. Do you really love me? Why are you asking me? Right? It's a restoration process, yes, and absolutely. it's a process. Yeah. And that that's one of the things, too, that we feel like we're um, just, I think, um, in the church, um, how how is the church able to really do a, a, an everyday discipleship of the most broken people in the city? I don't know if the church necessarily is set up in that unless we have very maybe robust kind of gospel-centered little home communities where you're willing to take very broken people into your house. But this actually provides, we, we see ourselves as an extension of the church as missionaries. You know, some missionaries go across the ocean and we're going across the street. We so saw, that's... Yeah, go ahead. I, I I didn't mean to interrupt, but that's one of my questions. I want to I want to ask this because you're about to answer it, and I want to get really specific about this. Go for it. So in in the Bible, you see, okay, I'm a, I'm a Christian now. What what am I supposed to do? Well, yes. the church is right there. It's it's everywhere in the New Testament. Here's what you do. Here's you're you're a, a part of you're a member of the body of Christ. You find your function and your gifts and go do it. Submit to these structures and so on. Okay, cool. But when you think about parachurch ministries, right, they're not really in there, you know. Right, right. And so what? You know, I got, I got a I got a church full of uh, you know we call ourselves Bible thumpers, but that has a negative connotation. Like like we're all mean and just like to smack people with the King James Bible. So we'll, we'll call ourselves Bible huggers. Okay, so we're Bible so we're Bible huggers, and, and it's like we're we're going to be very prone towards hey, if I don't see it in the Bible, I don't want to touch it, right? Yeah. Because it's going to be extra scriptura rather than sola scriptura. But that's but that's not a that's not a healthy way of seeing things because God's doing a lot in the world that He doesn't feel the need to enumerate and explain in the new testament right yes so as a parachurch ministry you guys are not replacing the local church explain to us then your relationship to the great commission what's your slot in that yeah so i mean we're absolutely driven and i think like habakkuk 214 and just the reality i mean it's like this beautiful prophetic vision of how the gospel is going to this the, the it's going to cover the whole world like the oceans cover the sea, right? And so this is a driving force. Both Amanda and I are very much, uh, you know, evangelists at heart. We want to see people hear the gospel, but we also know, like, you know, that the community that we're wanting to reach, which Jesus clearly calls us to reach, isn't going to just come in on a Sunday morning necessarily to your church. Now, God can draw them, and he does often do things like that, and, and that's totally fine. But this is just providing um, an arm to the local to the local church to be able to have people come into an, an environment that they're comfortable with, where they can still hear the gospel. Um, and so we see ourselves really as, as missionaries on the ground, but as an extension of the church in that uh, we're, we are a four-phase program. And in our phases, the last phase of our program to graduate is that they will, whoever it is graduating from the program, that they would be an active part in a local body, a local community of faith, some local, you know, church body here in the Tri Cities. And so, um, we love the church. We, uh, we are, we, we love our church that we go to. We're part of the church and we see that the church is, is God's, 
you know, people. And, and so part of it comes back to, um, your definition, I think, of church, right? Yeah. Uh, how do you see the church? How do you define the church? What is your philosophy of church? And we know it's not a building. Right? Mm-hmm. It's God's people filled with His Spirit, sent out into the world to make God's grace known to all people. And we see ourselves as fulfilling the Great Commission in that way um, in the ministry that we're doing. Yeah, so you, one of the first mission trips I, I went on uh, being pastor here, I called you up and you came and preached here. And by the way, you preached a sermon on Mark 5 where Jesus raises a little girl. Yes. And that was I, I have rarely teared up during a sermon, but when I got back from the mission field and I was listening to that, mm. and you were going through that whole thing and you were like, and Jesus just got down and said, hey, sweetie, you know, it's yeah. time to wait. I'm like... <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> still is probably my favorite verse. In the I actually page. had him preach that sermon recently really? at Grace Kitchen because it's one of my very favorite sermons of all time. Yeah. Oh my gosh, yeah. yeah. I don't it's... preach often. Usually women are the ones that are preaching because it's all women there. Yeah. And so, but occasionally she'll have me jump in there and share some and yeah. that's fun. I need his help a lot. So they ask some hard <laughs> questions. And well, and, he and jumps to your point about me. missions and, you know, being missionaries and stuff, you know, we do... We, and we draw pretty firm lines around like, look, not everything is mission. You know, when you, when Jesus says go, he doesn't mean stay. Because some people, they try to do that, that little exegetical judo there where they're yeah. like, well, he means as you're going, which means, and I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that Jesus rose from the dead and said, go do the same stuff on Monday that you did last Saturday. There's no change in your life at all, right? Like, no, he didn't say that. When he said go, the disciples knew what he meant. And yes. so they went, like you yes. see their response to it, right? But we, we oftentimes want to, Go, and I say we, I guess it's just me as a pastor. And I want to, I want to <laughs> be careful to have good theology here because we, when we talk about missions, we're talking about being displaced from your native context, right? And so we're usually talking about overseas or across cultures or something. But the fact is, there are cultures within our our own tri cities, like yes. distinct ones, and the, the church is not in all of them, at least not like visibly so, right? And yeah. so you can you can reach a different people group that lives a mile away. Right. And that's because any, any mission work, any like frontier mission work, you're going a place where there isn't a church yet. Right. right. Well, what if that place is the alley three blocks over? Right. Yes. So yeah, that, I think that fits beautifully inside the definition of missionary, which is very certainly in the Bible. Yes. And, yes. W- and when we think about the church, you know, and I think about the Sunday gathering, which is not to be forsaken, obviously. Yep. And, but it is, it is, as Ephesians says, it's for, you know, equipping the saints to go and do the work of the ministry of God. And so sometimes it can get short circuited to where it's just about coming and hearing and less about going and doing. And so, um, so when Amanda and I like first realized like, Hey, we have to engage this stuff. Jesus calls us to engage this stuff. We were faced with some of these questions like, are we really equipped enough? Do we have all the right tools to be able to operate within this community of people and not do harm, but actually do good? And we began to make some, you know, boxes that we need to check. You know, can we do this? Can we do this? Well, we quickly found out that we couldn't check all the boxes, um, but we still knew God was calling us to do this. And so um, part of our just philosophy is to realize is knowing that, God may be calling you to do stuff that maybe you don't necessarily have all the tools right now to be able to do it, but you can begin to step into that and he can begin to equip you more as you are on the way. Because if you wait, if you just wait till you have, till you can check all the boxes, it's a good chance you may never, ever step out and do it. Yeah. And so it sounds like faith, right? It's kind of like, yes, kind of like that's where God's office. Yeah. Yeah. God's office is absolutely at the end of yourself where you go, I can't do it, but I know you can, and I'm going to be faithful and I'm going to follow what you're calling me to do. And yeah. that's what Grace Kitchen has been from the beginning. Glory in my weakness, man. When I'm weak, I'm strong, right? That's right. Yeah. How, what do you guys see as far as like evangelism and, and 
and, and just like access, you know, because you're a husband wife team, you're ministering to women. And so gender dynamics really complicate things a lot of times, right? Yes. So do you find that there are barriers, Devin, when you try to speak that maybe Amanda, you could access, or do you wind up being a father figure to some of these gals? I mean, what happens? How do you guys they work actually, that? They absolutely look to him as like an older brother. Okay. Uh, just as we were leaving, they're like, Pastor Devin, I have something going on with my car. Can you please look at it? And they don't have anybody else in their life that they trust that yeah. is a man in their life. So they come to Devin a lot with with Bible questions, with relationship questions. But yes, a lot of the things I also just address as, as far as sexual sin mm-hmm. and what that looks like, they come to me for those types of things. Yes. And we're just very safe, you know? So as far as like, it can be uh, complicated with me really being, there's one other guy that works down there and you guys know Chris, but yep. so, um, and Chris and I, like we pile around a lot, but uh, we just have a lot of safety measures set up in place to be able to keep everything safe, you mm-hmm. know? But what I do hear the women say, they've said to me often that they love that they get to see these healthy marriages because they've never experienced this. And marriage is a beautiful expression of the gospel to a lost and hurting world. And they tell me it gives them hope that maybe one day they will have they will have a marriage that is centered around the gospel. And it gives them hope. So we get to model that in front of them. And I think that's really, really important for Absolutely. them. Yeah, a few minutes ago we were talking about... Um you know, making God the Father make sense to somebody who doesn't have a category for a, a good, loving, healthy father, yes. right? Or the relationship there. The you know, we we talk a lot about how we're supposed to be the hands and feet of Christ. We are the representatives of Christ. We are the am- ambassadors for Christ. But Christ shows us the glory of God the Father, right? Yes. And so this is these are not separate issues. And so they get to maybe it, it may be hard to connect the dots up front. But I got to imagine that you know down the road you you spend a lot of time with these women. And then when you explain God the Father, they're like, oh, I've been seeing this for the last year, actually, yes. these characteristics you're talking about. So you get to live that out and preach with your actions, yeah. in, uh, in addition to with words, right? Yes. Got to have both of those. Absolutely. So if, if you guys do um, uh, catering thing is a, a big, big portion, from what I, what I understand, kind of the main portion of what you guys do well, at Grace Kitchen, or not really? It's... So our catering, our pasta making, these are just all tools of discipleship that we use to bring women in and provide um, employment for them. We're actually financially sustained by the local church. But yes, we do cater. Yes, we do make pasta. We do office skills. We teach them um, Word, Excel, typing classes, uh, leadership skills. We're developing their relationship um, with each other, communications. They have speaking opportunities. So yeah, we do cater, and Devin does some amazing catering, but it was so great. We went on a vacation, and the women were able to cater an event for about 140 people all by themselves, and they were so proud. That's huge. Devin and I weren't there, and they took it over, and they did an amazing job. We were so proud of them. What an accomplishment. Yeah, it's huge. Yeah, that's that's excellent. Okay, so I'm trying to drum up some business for you guys. So if you guys have an event that needs to be catered. Call up Grace Kitchen. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. You can go to grace.kitchen slash the bistro and check out our menu. Yeah. And you guys are not screwing around, man. I was at that thing for uh, U Medical that was catered by you guys. And I'm like, yeah. I'm eating tri-tip sandwiches. Yeah, and come like, on. <laughs> I love dude. food. I love food. Uh, I think and I so... had a turkey or no, I had a roast beef sandwich and a tri-tip sandwich that day. Nice. Yeah. Yes. They were on like those, um, not hoagie rolls. What are the, the ciabatta buns? Yes. Yeah. 
Yes. Yeah, that was next yeah. level. Yep, that's our tri-tip sandwich. Yeah, oh, I absolutely. appreciate you guys for that alone, if nothing else. But. <laughs> yeah, so we actually, the women make our spice rubs in-house. We have a line of rubs called Perfection Rubs that the women make. That was the first line of, of things that we did. We partnered with Mirror Ministries, and we started making those beef, pork, and chicken rubs with them. And so all of our meat is smoked in-house. It's um, rubbed down with those rubs and then sliced by our ladies and yeah, we're putting out some pretty amazing sandwiches. Yeah, yeah, buy local, fresh, and make everything ourselves in house. Fantastic! And the women are learning how to do this, which is really cool. So there's, and I'm I'm not clear on this, Devin, but you were telling me a little while ago, um, and it, it's not unclear to me because you failed to communicate it. I just don't understand your you know business structure or whatever. But like, um, so you guys are kind of trying to sort of over time shift the way that you're funded right now you're you're a local ministry right so you're yes. funded mostly on like donations and things like that you were saying about 80 percent, and then but the the commercial aspects of what you do are still growing and these are kind of in the infancy phases so is the goal at some point that you guys will be self-sustained or is this always going to be a partnership with local churches or what do you guys have in we mind we absolutely want to continue to have a partnership with local churches because we need the mentors we need the volunteers and it's part of our our philosophy of ministry is to bridge that gap between the church and these women that are isolated so that they can become a part of the local church. So yes. Great. Yeah. So good. And then financially, yeah, we're like 80, 20, like 80% is by support by just generous, uh, people with huge hearts in our community uh, and, and then the local church. And that's really, uh, what sustains because we are, um, labor heavy let's say right there's not a not a woman that would walk in the door if she really desires to change her life and she really wants a job we don't want to turn anybody away and so we're kind of heavy on the labor force because we're employing these women because they need jobs and we want to we want to see Jesus rescue them and so the way we do that is through support from the local church and we write grants and then but eventually depending on what you know maybe it's something that we're not even doing currently maybe it's something that we're going to begin to do at some point that it'll begin to uh, bring more revenue in. But currently that's what we're about, about yeah. 80, 20, 20, 20% of our income is through um, our sales basically. Yeah. Okay, so if somebody wanted to, to jump on and start supporting you guys monthly, if one of our listeners do, they can do that through the website or what? Yes, they can do that through the website at grace.kitchen. They can become a sustainer of grace at $5 or $500 a month. And that is dire directly going investing into these women's lives to pay their salaries so they can continue to come to work every day and be discipled, hear about the love of Jesus, and learn marketable skills so they can rise out of poverty and stand on their own two feet and support their family. So I got to ask you this. What what can people do to help? Some people have money and some people have time and some people have both. Yes. And, you know, everybody's got their own their own set of tools that they're expected to use for the glory of God. So if they want to put these tools to, to, to uh, use, being effective in the same space that you guys are in or helping you guys out or whatever, how would somebody get started? If they feel moved like you did, Amanda, and said, I, I got to get going. I, I got to start moving. Can they plug into Grace Kitchen? Where do they go from here? They can plug into Grace Kitchen. We have a volunteer page on our website. They can click on that page, and there's a lot of opportunities listed that they can check out and check those, and our volunteer coordinator will connect with them. Yeah, we do have a robust background check for everybody that's going to come and work Darn right, with us. I'm glad. Yes, and yeah. so we're really careful. We absolutely love these women, and so uh, God, like I said, God in his grace, he has brought so many incredibly really safe gospel-centered people. And so that's kind of, I mean, that. thank you, Jesus, for that, because 
you know, these are vulnerable people that we're working with. It's a vulnerable community of people that we're working with. And so that's been great. Um, but even like, so there's not as much, um, opportunities maybe for dudes to come sure because of just who we are but there are a couple of guys who do come and do maintenance so if you're a guy and you're handy with tools and you could pass a background check you could come and help out at doing some maintenance stuff at grace kitchen for sure yeah, yeah. and if you're a realtor and you need client baskets Use Grace Kitchen. Oh, Let, that's allow a great idea. us to make your client baskets. Because again, that's going right back into providing for the salaries of these women. If you have a local little store or a business, or you can share about Grace Kitchen and advocate for us and get our pasta and our rubs on the sh- on the shelves, that's advocating yes. for Grace Kitchen and helping get the word out about who we are and what we're doing. Listen, I, I got a confession, guys. I um I, I have not yet tried any of these meat rubs. Okay. Except on the burger that you made me, which I'm going to have to bring I think you I some did, meat rubs. I think I did put a little bit of beef rub on that. Did burger. you? Well, I got to tell you, man. I mean, we. I feel bad now because we just had Fourth of July. I was out in the middle of the street with with my family and my neighbors, and we're grilling, dude. I so me and my neighbor, we made a grill out of uh, sheet metal. It's just this big honking beast, and the thing is so cool. And I'm like, nice. what a missed opportunity. To just be telling my neighbors, like, hey, check this thing out. So It's still summer, so you have plenty of time. All right, well, I, I promise to, to bear fruit in keeping with repentance and grill meat <laughs> nice. in the near yes, future. And our rubs are at Yolks. They're yes. in the seafood department up on the shelf. So For real, right next door here. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yes. Perfection rubs. Boom, look at that. Yeah, so we have a chicken, a beef, uh, a pork, and a fish for salmon. At all three Yolks in the Tri-Cities? Yes. Uh, yes. What about the one in Spokane? I know we got listeners in Spokane. We do not have them in Spokane yet. Hopefully, that will happen soon. They can order them online at our website at grace.kitchen. Okay, all right. Yolks in Spokane. Get on it. Hold on. Oh, man, I messed up my drop again. Hold on. Boom! There we go. Okay. Well, guys, thank you so much for being here. And and, um, I want to read something that uh, I flipped to when you were talking about um, the imputed righteousness of uh, of Christ. I want to read Zechariah 3, which is this... um, Guys, this is this vision of... um, uh, vision of the prophet Zechariah, who he, he was seeing Joshua, who at the time, this isn't like the, you know, Joshua that was the protege of Moses. This was the high priest of Israel. He was the representative of God's people before God. And so the way that we see uh, Jesus now is the way that they kind of saw him. He's the go-between, right? And so look at, at how he was treated. Uh, the vision goes like this. Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of Yahweh and Satan standing at his right hand to accuse him. And Yahweh said to Satan, Yahweh rebuke you, Satan. Indeed, Yahweh who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is this not a brand delivered from the, fl- from the fire? Now Joshua was clothed with filthy garments standing before the angel. And he answered and spoke to, uh, to those who were standing before him, saying, Remove the filthy garments from him. And again, he, he said to him, See, I have made your iniquity pass away from you and will clothe you with festal robes. And then I said, let them put a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean turban on his head and clothed him with garments while the angel of Yahweh was standing by. So what we see here, guys, is you know that, that courtroom scene that you were talking about, right? Yes. This, is, this is Joshua who uh, is standing in front of the judge, and he's wearing filthy garments because he's covered in sin and unrighteousness, and he's got filth that he has to answer for, and there's no way that we would expect this trial to go well because he's clearly guilty and he's clearly filthy. And then Joshua says precisely nothing, right? <laughs> Not a word comes out of his mouth, and God himself stands up and says, Satan, accuser, shut up. 
you don't get to talk anymore. This one's mine. Is this not a brand plucked from the fire and then puts clean clothes on him? And so I'm really glad that you guys are involved in this work because you are living out day by day the application of this prophecy. You guys are yes. you guys are the promise of God fulfilled to a lot of people. So I appreciate the work you're doing. Thank you. Thank and, you. It, and it's all because of Jesus and just looking ahead to the future of Grace Kitchen. We're dreaming and we're praying about, and if our listeners could pray with us that we need sanctuary residential housing for the women in our program. It is very, very difficult for them to find housing in the Tri-Cities. And so we would love to have a few houses that when women enter into our program, they're just getting out of prison or just off the streets. We can enter them into our residential gospel-centered sanctuary housing program while they go through our job training program. And then they're really set up at the end to become house homeowners and really succeed when they graduate. Yeah. Yeah. And they can, you know, they can have healthy relationships centered on the gospel with good yes. examples. They can build families. I mean, redemption is yes. a thing. It oh, happens. Yes. We're so talking if you about, have an extra yes. home yeah. <laughs> yeah. that yeah, you want to give the Grace Kitchen. Yes. And we love the fact that just whole generations, you know, of families are just absolutely going to be changed as a result of Jesus changing these women's lives. And we're already seeing this even in the lives of their children yeah. and how their, their children are being changed by their mom now believing the gospel. So it's so good. This is a legacy changer, man. Absolutely. Yeah, and guys, listen, don't don't assume, listeners, that Amanda was joking when she said if you have an extra home to give. This is one of the most affluent areas in the uh, in the country. I mean, as far as, I mean, it's not like Pasadena or whatever, but, you know, Bel Air, I guess, would be a better example. But, you know, the, the median income here is higher than anywhere else in Washington State relative to the cost of living. So you guys... Like we're, you guys got money, you know what I mean? So if, if God is, is putting extra assets in your hands, and in fact, I was just preaching on Sunday, this won't be true anymore by the time this episode releases, but just on Sunday, I was preaching about the rich young ruler, right? And Jesus says, look, get rid of all of that stuff. It's hindering you from the, uh, from, from following Christ. And when you get rid of it, here's what I want you to do. Give it to the poor. And come follow me. So you guys with these extra assets and everything, I, I know you're, you're here because you're hungry for wisdom. There's some right there. All right. Mm-hmm. So, so consider uh, what Amanda just said about, about giving the assets away because that's the kind of gift that God gives to us. And if you have the opportunity to do the same thing, meet a need. That's all I'm saying. I'll sermonize on that later. But um, guys, you want me to pray for you? I'd be awesome. All right. Let's, now, I, I think my theology of prayer is such that God will still be active in the prayer and in the answering to the prayer, uh, even when people are listening to this later on. So oh, I think on. he's the Lord of time. I mean, <laughs> haven't you experienced that? I mean, I have. That's Absolutely. what I'm talking about, man. Yeah, so good. Prayers from generations ago, and I'm, yes. I'm benefiting from them. Oh, so, man, all right, let me, let me throw it down for you guys. God, thank you for Devin and Amanda for what you have done in... Um, uh, in redemption, uh, just in their lives. I mean, being being faithful, even when it seemed probably, I'm guessing, like it, it seemed you were distant or they didn't know you yet or that, you know, you were allowing questions to go unanswered about who you are and what you do and your goodness. But now, you know, regardless of whether those particular questions ever got answered or not in the difficulties of life and in difficult backgrounds and harsh upbringings and things like that, now the, there are other people that are getting to benefit from the answer that yes, you are good and yes, you do pay attention and yes, you sacrifice and you love sacrificially and you lead your people to do exactly the same as you do because we're made in the image of God and then formed in the image of Christ when we're born again and see with what great love God has loved us that we should be called children of God and we've been called into your service, freely inherited all things through Christ who who purchased it for us and purchased us back from the, the enemy and is doing that day by day with other people. So thank you God for doing everything that you do and for doing it through us. There is no reason like on paper that you should 
entrust this treasure to these jars of clay, but you just yes. do. And you. you're you're really good and really nice. So thank you. And um, I ask for increased effectiveness all the time for Grace Kitchen. I ask for the word to get to exactly the right people, for the funding to land where it needs to, for the, the laborers and the harvest, because there's a lot of work to do and not enough people to do it. And I pray for energy and rest. I'm glad to hear that they got a vacation for their anniversary. I pray for their kids, that you would protect them from the uh, the schemes of the devil, because he don't fight fair, but you're you're stronger. And so um, continue to show that if you would be so kind. And uh, you're, all of your servants that are listening to this and praying along with this, um, I, I just ask that... Uh, uh, that you would move them to specifically and exactly what you would want them to do uh, in order to fight the darkness. I mean, stare into the abyss and not be scared because he who is in us is greater than he who is in the world. So thank you for all these things being true. Pray this in Jesus' name and under his blood. Amen. 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 Thank you, Pastor Listen, Dustin. Hey, thank you guys for being here. And uh, can I get an amen on a couple of things? The world is a messed up place. Amen. Amen. Yes. But we got a gospel that is perfectly suited to fix it. Can I get an amen to that one? Amen. amen. All right, guys. We'll see you back here at some point, I'm sure. We'll talk to you soon. Hungry for Wisdom is a ministry of grace and truth community in West Richland, Washington. You can find out more about us on our app, social media, or at graceandtruthcommunity.com. We love him because he first loved us.